Welcome to Heavy Lifting with Ravi Lula, another edition of the Meathead Monday podcast today. And first off, we're going to get to a conversation that uh, Jacob Heck and I had about uh, a phenomenon in the weight room that we like to call uh, fear for your life or adrenaline lifts. Uh, But before we get to that, uh, and that was a fun conversation that Jake and I had, uh, but before we get to that, I do want to go over uh, some of the happenings from the football weekend real quick with you. Obviously, first and foremost, we have that heartbreaking Nebraska loss to Colorado in overtime and just some of my thoughts from that game I haven't rewatched it yet so this is all just my reaction from the initial viewing I'll have some more detailed thoughts if if there are any um, once I view it again and and on that podcast on Friday we'll give you some more uh, thoughts there as we preview the next game as well but just from my initial reactions and everything to the Colorado game to me I know he played a lot better than he did um, in the opening game against South Alabama but still did not think Adrian Martinez looked terribly comfortable or like himself uh, uh, or like he did last season frankly and he had flashes he had moments where he looked like that guy again but the bottom line is he had three turnovers, and that's basically the ball game right there. If he takes care of the football, only has one turnover even, um, Nebraska probably comes away with a victory there in Boulder. So that's a that's a tough look for him. He needs to take care of the football, um, even as he's tasked with making a lot of the big plays uh, for the offense and carrying a big load there. He really can't. You really can't afford to have him turning the ball over that much, though. And so that was that was one thing I noticed there. The other thing. Well, a couple other things was uh, he ran the ball a lot, 19 rushes for him. I don't think Nebraska wants him to run the ball that much. Um, but one thing that uh, I saw there was he, he was basically the only inside run presence that Nebraska had yesterday. And I don't know if that's a result of the offensive line play. I would guess so. But I think it's also a result of the offense not really being able to spread the defense downfield and so they're able to they're able to stack that box a little bit and not get burned for it obviously you had the one deep pass to jd spielman on the busted coverage the other really long pass play was just a swing pass to maurice washington that he took the distance um they stretched the field i think they had uh, a pass to jack Stoll uh, that was a little bit longer kind of up the seam as well but for the most part they're really having a hard time spreading the defense deep and I think it's affecting their ability to run the ball uh, between the tackles. Uh, one thing that I would like to see a little bit more of is just an ability to sustain drives from Nebraska. I think that's been a big issue. They're basically just counting on home run plays which obviously splash plays are a big part of that offense. You want those big impact plays but at some point you have to be able to sustain a drive especially you know at the end of a game when you have a lead last four minutes you got to run that four minute offense and be able to run the clock out get some first downs and hopefully score at the end of it nebraska hasn't shown really any ability to sustain drive so far in the first two games of the season that's concerning to me and again part of that is because of the issues they've had with the run game that i just mentioned 
What I would like to see a little bit more of, which you see in a lot of these spread type offenses, is using that short pass game as almost a substitute for your running game. And that tends to open things up a little bit for your actual running game as well. I don't feel like they're doing a good job of getting the ball to some of their playmakers out in space. They did a much better job with Maurice Washington. Um, obviously, he only played the second half against South Alabama, but they got him 19 total touches, almost 200 yards of total offense for Maurice Washington, so you really like to see that. Uh, the I'd really like to see more touches out of Wandale Robinson. He only had uh, two carries and three receptions. Would really like to see him get, in the offense, get involved in the offense a little bit more. And some of those guys, I mean, whether it's, uh, Conway Noah on on the wide receivers or uh, Jack Stoll on the tight ends. I'd like to see them get more targets in that short to intermediate range so that Nebraska can sustain drives and open up the running game a little bit as well. But sooner or later, they're going to have to be able to push the ball downfield and spread the defense that way as well. I just don't think they're doing a good job of either of those things really to open up that interior running game because let's be honest the offensive line's not getting it done right now in terms of doing it as in terms of establishing that part of the offense first we saw that against south alabama and if they can't beat south alabama up front they're probably not gonna be able to beat anybody else up front up the uh, up front on their schedule either so you need to get a little bit creative in terms of creating mismatches creating uh looks where you're where the defense isn't stacking the box so you are able to run inside um, and, and get some of those uh, plays and, and tough yardage that Nebraska wants to be able to get, whether it be with Martinez on those inside draws or with Dedrick Mills. So that's those are just a couple things I noticed with the offense that I'd like to see improve a little bit. Um, obviously, it's a tough look for the defense to give up as many points as they did in such a short period of time. But they were basically pitching a shutout for almost three quarters, uh, I think, Colorado scored their first touchdown with little over a minute and a half left in the third quarter. So hard to pin that on the defense. I think, honestly, I just think they ran out of gas. And again, part of that goes back to the offense's inability to score drives. Even when they did answer, one of them was that one play 75-yard pass to Maurice Washington that he took the distance, which, again, those splash plays are great. But when your defense needs a little break, being able to sustain a drive is not the worst thing in the world. Uh, so aside from that four-minute offense, you'd like to see him be able to run. Having the ability to give your defense a break as well uh, would be nice. So I'd like to see them try a few uh, different things to try and be able to sustain those drives as well. That, that was, I think, a big issue and is going to continue to be an issue moving forward for Nebraska until they're able to execute that on offense. Um, like I said, on the defensive side of the ball, I thought they played pretty well again for the most part. Um, it did, the wheels fell off at the end there. Um, I think they just got gassed. That's what it looked like to me. And that goes to another one of my points. I know a lot of the fan base is trying to figure out why Nebraska keeps losing these types of games, these close games where they're holding on, holding on, holding on, and then they lose it right at the end. And Nebraska fans aren't going to like to hear this, but it reminds me a lot of the Creighton Blue Jays' second season in the Big East, their first season without Doug McDermott. And Creighton was down to the wire. I think they had the lead in the last minute of about, I, I think, eight conference games. And they lost their first, I believe, nine conference games that season on the way to going, I believe, four and 14 in conference that year. 
And the issue wasn't that the coaching staff kept blowing it or the players kept blowing it or anything like that. It's that Creighton wasn't good enough. They got themselves in position to win a lot of games that they really probably had no business winning. And obviously the talent deficiency on Nebraska right now isn't to the same extent that it was with Creighton that particular season. But I do think a big part of the issue here is simply a talent deficiency at this point. That's the only thing that explains the fact that this has happened across, you know, multiple head coaches. You want to go all the way back to Pelini, Riley, um, and now with Frost, uh, this has happened over three regimes. And the only common denominator is a lot of times Nebraska is not as talented as they should be. And now give credit where credit's due. They find a way to get themselves in games, to get themselves leads, to keep themselves in games that maybe they normally wouldn't be in. But instead of losing by two touchdowns, they lose at the last minute, and it feels worse. You know, if you lose by two touchdowns, you were never really in the game. It doesn't feel like something was taken from you. Whereas, uh, you know, I think Bo Root said Bo Root said this on the Nick Baugh podcast. It feels so much worse to have something taken from you than to not ever have anything at all. And in that sense, I think that's kind of what Nebraska fans are going through right now with these games. Is they think they have them in their grasp, but really. There's a, there's a talent deficiency on the team, and I think honestly, I think Scott Frost would agree with that. Now they've got talented guys: Adrian Martinez, Maurice Washington, uh, Wandale Robinson, really talented guys. Lamar Jackson starting to play really well. Cam Taylor Britt starting to play really well. You're seeing things out of some of these guys that are really impressive. But the one of the things that you have to remember is that's one guy at a handful of positions. You need to have serious depth to be a consistent performer in college football you need guys you know one two three deep at certain positions to be competitive on a week-in week-out basis and to win some of these games you know if the defense was deeper in some of those spots maybe they don't get gassed at the end of the game and they're able to get uh, just one more stop and they're able to pull out the win you know if there's better offensive line talent you know, Adrian Martinez is probably able to break some of those inside runs. Dedrick Mills is probably able able to help sustain those drives that I was talking about earlier. So it comes back at the end of the day to talent. I, I don't think this is one of those things where you want to say, oh, blame the head coach. Listen, I didn't love the play calling in overtime either. But at the end of the day, if you've got more talent on the team, it increases your margin for error a lot. And right now, Nebraska doesn't have that big of a margin for error in these games. And when that happens, when you don't have much margin for error, you tend to drop a lot of these games. And so I think as you see the talent level improve under Frost, then these games will start to go Nebraska's way. But the fact of the matter is, over the last two head coaches before Scott Frost and Pelini and Riley, the talent level in this program went down way further than I think really anyone is willing to admit. And we're seeing some of the consequences of that now. We saw some of the consequences of that last year and the year before in Riley's last season as well. And so you're going to continue to see that until you get a couple of these classes of Frost recruits into that their sophomore and junior years where you can see some of the talent, the new talent, get experience as well, and then you'll start to see some of these things turn around. Uh, I, I genuinely believe that, and I think uh, that'll play out in the next, you know, even maybe by the end of this season, um, but definitely in the next season as well. So that's something to keep in mind. Um, that's kind of my opinion on what's been going on with Nebraska. Um, if you hear 
some jingling in the background. The dogs decided to contribute to this podcast a little bit. So I'm sure Tally, Roggy, and Shadow have some strong thoughts on the uh, Nebraska game as well. Um, but you'll have to ask them yourself. All right, we're going to get to that conversation with Jake about a nice phenomenon in the gym we like to call Fear for Your Life Lifts. Um, but first, we're going to have an ad from our friends over, over at Fruitful Design. Thank you to Fruitful Design for supporting the Heavy Lifting with Ravi Lula podcast. Fruitful Design helps businesses and nonprofits be, well, fruitful with top shelf design and strategy. Whether you need a logo, website, or anything else to promote your business, which I needed all of, Fruitful Design can help you grow. They helped me set up my website for heavy lifting with Ravi Lula and were quick, friendly, and professional. Check Fruitful out online at www.fruitful.design. Once again, that's www.fruitful.design. All right, Jacob, we are here and we're here to talk about adrenaline lifts or fear for your life lifts. And this all goes back to a saying that I used to have when we would lift over at the old Grace University gym that said, if I can't lift the weight, I don't deserve to live. Yeah. Some people consider that extreme. I do not. <laughs> no, you said that pretty regularly. Like You once told me that if you died in the weight room, my legal obligation to you was to put more weight on the bar and then... Call for emergency services. Listen, if I'm already like, dead, I better look cool. That's all I'm saying. So I don't think it was ever a joke. I think that was a real a real rule for you. It is. And um, in that spirit of things, uh, I know you and I have both experienced this phenomenon, and I'm sure our fellow meatheads have as well, where yeah. maybe you're going a little too heavy, you don't have a spot that day, and there's a moment where you don't know if you have it or not. And the adrenaline kicks in. The survival instinct kicks in, your flight or fight instinct kicks in, and you either dump the weight or you get a lift that you probably shouldn't have. And that, my friends, is a fear for your life lift. Yeah, that's what we're about here. <laughs> I mean, honestly, there are times where it's like, you know, I'm actively telling you, thinking like, I wish you would just go to the bathroom so like, we just actually see what I have. <laughs> uh, <laughs> there, The first time I ever benched 315 was no spotter, never done it before in my life. I was like, I'm feeling good. We're taking a shot. Yeah, I think you can get a lot out of yourself in those moments, especially when you go for like, um, it's really nice for like rep PRs. Yeah, if you're going for a rep record. You kind of like, you kind of feel the fatigue, but you're like, I think maybe, just like, but I actually don't have a choice, so I got to pull this off. Um, you ever had the one where you're like, okay, I'm benching, I know I can at least, you're like, I'm going to go again because I know I can at least get it to the safety hooks. Yes. <laughs> right? So thank you, benches that have the safety hooks. The safety hooks, hooks are clutch. <laughs> Like there was some of those, uh, I would lift at, uh, the Creighton gym. They had them and it was, uh, the rack already, like it leaned forward with you when you were unracking it. So the safety hooks were even closer. Oh, nice. They had like multiple layers so you could really see where you were at. So I, I mean, I had to use those only once or twice, but I did feel a slight bit of shame. Um, definitely wish I would have just how much finished how, it. How much weight were you lifting when you had to use the safety hooks? So I was using, I was going for, at the time, it was before I met you, so I was doing a lot more rep, mat, like rep PRs. Like I wasn't going for super heavy weight. I was going for more like how many times can I lift? We call that bad decisions, weight. but yes. Yeah, no, I have I've learned, I've grown. <laughs> I've grown as a person, I was 19 years old. I don't think anybody wants to be judged. No, it's fair. It's fair. what they thought when they were 19. <laughs> That's right? true. That's true. Um, because I thought, you know, I only had bad experiences with some people at like a high school weight room where they did like 
Yeah, for the eighteen to put on like forty pounds, and then all of a sudden they lost all the water weight and they just look like skeletons. It, you know, I guess you just had some bad impressions of people that lifted in, all these really heavy weights. In general, people that are lifting in high school don't know what they're doing, and that's not an indictment on them. Most of the time, they're being taught by people that don't know what they're talking about. I know that was the case in my high school. I think that's the case pretty commonly at a lot of high schools where the you know strength and conditioning coach is the football coach that looks the biggest. So that's I'm going to be honest with you. That's not a good move. That's not yeah. <laughs> that guy doesn't always know what he's talking about. So, um, but yeah, I, I and so I don't blame people that don't exactly know what they're doing. Um, it's just kind of funny to make fun of you about it now. Yeah, no. So I was definitely I, I before I met you, I only ever put 225 on the bench bar and just done as many as I could and gotten that number up. In a, in a semester, I got that number up significantly from like just two or three to like a smooth ten. You know, like I was I was just doing that kind of weight a lot, which is good. And to be clear, you know, we'll do weight even now where we're working at a percentage of our maxes, and we'll try and set a rep record at that rate. So there is some there is some value in volume work if you're uh, scheduling it correctly within yes. your within your program. But um, I think a lot of make, people make the mistake of their. Um, not saying you were, but people get afraid of the big weights, right? Oh, for sure. They're afraid of hurting themselves. They're afraid of, which if you're not being smart, you should be afraid of hurting yourself because you can. Uh, and even if you are being smart, sometimes you hurt yourself anyway. But when you're putting up like three plates on bench, it's definitely worth it. It makes a big difference <laughs> in uh, reputation around the weight room, right? I'm just or, saying or when somebody asks whatever how much you bench and you say a number that starts with a three, it feels way better than when you say a number that starts with a two. Yeah, I think you get a definite you get a definite nod there. Like there's a big difference between saying I bench two ninety five and I bench three oh five. Oh, one like, that is significant in the eyes of people. Um when when it registers in their ears, it's it's just significant. So it's So crucial. I wanna try and remember some of the biggest fear for your life lifts that you've ever had. I know you've had some on squats. I don't push myself that hard on squats because I'm soft, so I don't have as many on squats. I do have a couple good ones I there. I do have quite a few on bench, so why don't you go with your squats first? Yeah, so there's there's two types of fear for your life lifts on squats. The first one is, of course, the weight is significant, right? You start on the way down, and all of a sudden your butt is dropping a lot faster than you anticipated. <laughs> You're like, oof, I don't know if I'm going to get out of this hole. Like, I'm deeper in the hole than I wanted to be, <laughs> and i got to try to get out of it. Um, so definitely been there, you know, getting over, um, the 400 mark for the first time. That was like just a, an eye opener for my system. Also, um, a lot of that's like mental too. Like, oh, part of it's your central nervous system, which maybe just isn't used to having that weight on your back. And part of it's just a mental hurdle right. in terms of like, I, can I do this? This is heavy. Right. So yeah. So like, I think I, I maxed there and then we went through a cycle and all of a sudden my like remax was like 50 pounds heavier. So, like, that was a big, there was a big moment as I was going down that I was like, I don't know how this is going to go. Yeah, I think that's the summer um, you jumped from 405 to 455, is that yes. right? Yeah. Yeah, that was a big jump. Um, but I got that one. The one that was actually scary was when I was feeling good a couple years later, and I was like, I hit 475, like, clean. Like, I felt like it was good on a max day. So, I was like, I think I'm 485 as a lock. You know, like the percentage of increasing it by 10 pounds at that point is just like non-existent. No, you know, not worth it. It's not, well, it's not worth it. And it's like 10 pounds of 485 pounds. Like the percentage of it is just like yeah. so small. 
Um, so then I was like, well, I'm looking at 495. And again, it's like, well, if I'm going to do 495, I better just go ahead and do 500. <laughs> so all of a sudden here, I'm jumping 25 pounds and felt really hyped up. And I got in there and got down and just stuck, just absolutely <laughs> stuck. And my spotter did not know what to do. He did not catch me at all. And so I just had to scream at him to move so I could bail that thing off the back and fall forward and hope I didn't <laughs> clip anything on the way down. That was that one was scary. I'm not going to lie. So that's a fear for your life lift where you survived, but you did you not survived. get the lift. Correct. Now, the second type of fear for your life lift on squats, I think maybe people can more easily identify with, is when you start squatting and all of a sudden you have a rumbling <laughs> in the stomach. <laughs> And as you go down, those cheeks just get a touch wider, and <laughs> that is a scary moment. Oh, for okay. sure. For like, sure. For a person that owns a couple pairs of white leggings, I am very careful about what I eat the night before I plan to wear those. All right. That's a dangerous spot also, to be Also, to be fair, a pre-squat poop is always advisable. Yeah. Yeah. If no, you can. If you can. It doesn't always matter. It doesn't all Like, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm not s- hating here. Sometimes you can't get the job done. Sometimes you do it and there's still a little bit left and you can't, you know, you're just not ready for it. You're not ready. And you know what? When you're deep into that five by five, you're on, you know, set four. You're not going to the bathroom. three reps in and all of a sudden it hits you. Yep. And you're like. Sometimes the squatting just in and of itself gets the digestion going a little bit. Right. Yeah. It's something about that motion. And that's where you almost, I've almost gotten to the point now where I squat with one headphone off just so i know if i actually like made a noise (laughs) so i know if there's something coming out back there because it's it's dangerous i definitely i haven't ever actually pooped myself while squatting you've heard horror stories i have a i have several times involuntarily farted Oh, yeah. I Which mean, it's also very scary because there's that moment where you don't know if something came out. You don't know if something came out. You don't know how loud it was. Loud it was. <laughs> you don't know if it's going to smell. Like, how close approximately <laughs> are you to another lift? Like, so here's a lot of fear. A lot of here. X factors here. And, here's, uh, <laughs> so I have a question about ripping it in the gym, okay? okay. <laughs> because I have a policy that if I can't hear it, it doesn't count. So if I have my headphones on and I can't hear it, I just assume it doesn't count. That's not true. That's well, not true? <laughs> no. Okay. Like, I think... I need to be a little bit more considerate of those around me. <laughs> Definitely. As your lifting partner, I am telling you, that is most certainly true. Um, <laughs> to be fair, though, I don't wear headphones when we lift together, so I can hear it. Yeah, but you so have before. Not usually. Uh, no, I think um, I think you got some things going on there. Okay, I'll reconsider. I'll reconsider. Um, most importantly, you know, like, I think... We all understand, like, when you're in the weight room, like, there are just, there is just a certain smell. Like, it is pretty hard to have, like, a good smelling weight room. Like, people should be working hard. There should be a little bit of that going on. A little sweat, a little, a little sweat, BO. A little BO. And then, obviously, as you're doing these motions, like we said, like, sometimes it comes there's gotta out. Be like, some, there's going to be some tooting. You ever done core on a gassy day? I mean, it's going to happen. There's going to be some tooting. Right? So, you got to be understanding of some of that. But at the same time, dude. So, it's a no? I should uh, like that's not a good rule to live by. Like I think I think I live by a, that on airplanes too. That's, that's not cool, man. <laughs> that's really not cool. I got the headphones on. The airplanes roll out. If I can't hear it, it doesn't count. It still counts to the person sitting next to you. Sorry, Natasha. I'll tell you that as a fact. I think there's I think there's a place 
for like a testing ground for like sneaking a little bit out to see if it smells. <laughs> I've definitely done that. Fair enough. And if you're telling me you haven't, I'm going to call you a liar. <laughs> I think you have to test it, right? Like maybe you walk over to the corner, like pretending like you're walking something off. Yeah, you just get like a little test run, taking a little, taking a little right, just to see like what do I, what am I working with today? Sure, you fair know, enough. I think that's important. Um, I'll take that under advisement for for future. Like, because if it doesn't, if it doesn't smell, then if you can let it out quietly, then I mean, relieve the pressure. <laughs> but if, if it smells, sure, you gotta go. You gotta go take care of it. You're held responsible for that. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, All right. Well, I'll I'll keep that in mind. It does also help that we're both super taken now. Yeah, that's true. Because like when I was single living in a gym, this definitely I thought differently of this. Oh, At this point for in my life, sure. Like just, I don't wear my ring when I lift, but I feel like if I just create a fart cloud, like it <laughs> basically exhibits the same function. <laughs> yeah, there is uh, significantly less uh, zero cares given in terms of how much I uh, determine about what other people think of me while I'm at the gym. Right, yeah, I mean, I think... Unless it's, it's just like a, man, that guy's really strong. That's the only vibe I'm going for. They and can get that from a distance. Yeah, they can. They don't need to, <laughs> they don't need to be up close for that. No. <laughs> no. Uh, all right, so those are your squat. Those are your two different squat fear for your life lifts. Yeah, that's two. You've weird, got the, yeah. the literal fear for your life where you think you may be crushed by the weight. Yep. If you either don't get, get it up or bail on it correctly. Yep. And then you've got your fear for your life poop lifts. Where you think you're gonna perhaps have a little accident while at the bottom of a squat? Yeah, and I, I know you threw this out. I also want to throw this out there. I have never actually gone <laughs> in my pants. Okay, want to make it very clear. I want to throw that out. There. Has not pooped himself. But I am going to admit to you, I did quit a lift early and quite literally run. Oh, for to sure. the bathroom. I think everyone has and just made it. If you've ever, squatted, I also never went back to that bathroom. <laughs> because of what happened in there. <laughs> if you've ever squatted more than three plates, I think that's happened to you. Yeah. All right, let's get to the bench lifts because... Yeah, fill yourself out on those. Let's be honest. <laughs> be, on a on a squat, if you can bail correctly, you're almost certainly never going to die. You might hurt yourself, but probably not going to die. Probably not going to die. On a bench, you can die. <laughs> Isn't that ironic? Like, the bench is, like, viewed as the lazy man lift, but actually, you can die on that one. You can actually die. Like, the other ones, you probably won't die. Like, even if the squat bar falls and you fall and it falls, you should have some form of a catch bar or something. Yeah, like a catch bar and a cage. Even at worst case scenario, you're on the ground. The plates keep the bar far enough off the ground. It's probably not going to crush you. And it's not in a position in the first place. Yeah. Where like it's gonna f- most likely fall on your neck. Yeah, or like anything. you can definitely you can never really walk again. I get that, but you're for not sure die. In Chances most of dying from a squat incredibly low, especially Rel- relative to dying on the bench. Yes, right. Like especially if you have any idea what you're doing in terms of dumping a bar. Yeah, which if you're squatting that much weight, you should. And if you yeah, and I mean, so really, it, it is. It's 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 fascinating. This is. The more dangerous of it lifts is. in the sense of... I mean, do you remember dying. that guy from USC? I think it was back in like 2005, 2006 that dropped yes. a bench on his neck and like crushed his neck and like barely could barely talk or breathe. Like it almost killed him. Yeah, somebody... And he was only doing like 275. 
Yeah, like, I mean, if you hurt yourself while benching. Yeah, if you, like, pop a pack or roll your wrist over or something like that. Bice- I mean, pop a bicep, like, it can a- fall and you could die. Yeah, like, even if it's at what would be considered a comfortable weight for you yeah, individually, sure. like, you're certainly at risk here. Yeah, like, okay, so the other day, just a little brag a little bit, I repped out 315 for five. Mm-hmm. That's not a crazy close to max out weight for me. But if something goes wrong and I don't have a spotter, that could very well kill me if it lands wrong. Yeah. And so, ironically, the considered softer lift of the two is the more dangerous in a practical sense. Yeah, I think, well, I mean, yeah, like you said, you got two things going here. You got the more dangerous in terms of, like, which one are you more likely to get hurt on? Definitely more likely to hurt yourself doing a squat. Yes. But if all you care about is actually surviving, <laughs> which I think is maybe the higher priority. It should be. should be. I mean, depends on who you are. I can, <laughs> I can let you know if you're interested. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, it's, it's definitely more dangerous in terms of surviving. So, I think the worst fear for your life to bench lift I've ever had. I already mentioned the first time I ever benched 315. I didn't have a spotter. But that went up super smooth. I didn't have any issues. Yeah, you just going rogue that day. I did go rogue, and I felt great, and it went up super fast, and I felt great about it. The probably worst one I had is I was doing. I think I think it was a set of three forty five for three, mm-hmm. and I was in. I was in powerlifting prep meet, so I was working with the pause. And here's the thing with the pause is sometimes you can cheat an extra lift with the bounce off the chest. I think people know that. But when you're trying to work with that pause, you either have it or you do not. Well, you don't honestly always know. That's, that's the that's thing the that the thing. pause does to you, too. Is like It, it, it puts a little fatigues bit, you in a weird way that it's like an exponential or a compounding situation where you're not actually sure what you've got in a tank. Well, and you feel, you might feel, what happens to me a lot is I'll feel really good off the chest and then I kind of hit my switching point kind of midway through the lift where I'm switching from uh pecs to triceps that area where the front shoulders kind of take over and that's the area where i usually fail so i can feel real good off the chest and be like yep i got one more but if that area fails Mm -hmm. in a weird timing or fatigues early on me i might be in a little bit of trouble Mm -hmm. which consequently is what happened this day (laughs) (laughs) got it took my pause on the third rep got off the chest and man it just stuck about halfway up and i didn't have anybody and i wasn't quite high enough for the catch bars because if I get high enough for the catch bars, I can almost certainly lock it out. Usually. Every once in a while I need them. But this particular bench, the catch bars were high enough that if I got it there, I could lock it out. So I was grinding. I, it felt like I was grinding out that middle of the lift for like a half hour. I'm sure it was like three or four <laughs> seconds. But it felt like I was in there for a minute. And was able to grind it out, locked it out. But that was definitely one of those. There was a lot of adrenaline going after that. And I fully believe there was like an adrenaline dump in the middle of that lift because <laughs> I was just like bugged out and hyped. Like, have you ever been in a car accident? Yeah. You know where you're, you're like, you're kind of like real hyped up and have, are kind of hyper aware of your surroundings and everything yeah, after senses, that? Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely what happened after <laughs> this lift. I was really feeling my spidey senses and I was, it was, there was definitely a lot of adrenaline at play there. So that was, that's the roughest one I've ever had, I think. Yeah. I mean, for me, like on bench, like I guess I've never, I've never felt a fear of dying. I guess I, I've rolled one off, I've rolled one in my stomach before. I didn't think I was gonna die. I definitely yeah. thought I was gonna have to roll it off my stomach. I've, ro- I've rolled one off the stomach before, but also this is something you taught me is like on bench, 
Um, you don't use clips. I don't use clips. Tell these, tell these fine people why they shouldn't use clips on a flat bench. Well, so a couple things. Number one, there's the practical sense of if you're benching alone, at least without clips, you can dump it. Right, because right, you're going to rock it from one side and then the momentum from the that other, falling off just, just throw it off. it off you. So be aware of what's going to happen if you are trying to dump it because if you lean one side, the other t- side's going to happen real fast. You might end up hurting yourself, but you won't die. I Again, we value That's that as the a win. higher priority. That's the win there, yeah. right? So if you're in that situation, you're already in a bad way. You may have already hurt yourself, which is why it happened. You can dump the weight, right? That's number one. Number two, and this is absurd and stupid, and it's just like a weird superstition now. But when I started lifting, uh, my best friend from high school, Busky, his dad had this rule where you couldn't put clips on the bar. He said, you'll never get any stronger with those dumb things on there. You can't get any stronger with the clips <laughs> on the bar. I don't know why. I think it's because there was a little bit of the fear. I think that's part of it for me, like, anyways. It's like, well, I know if the if the clips aren't on there, then I can go a little bit heavier because I have this fail safe, right? So that's kind of what I've taken from it anyways. Like Yeah, I don't know if, if I don't know if that was his original logic or if he was just being weird, but that was He's that a was, strong dude. He is super strong dude. His strong. all-time max is four thirty, and I'm still trying to come for that. I'm I'm getting up there in age. <laughs> I don't know if it's gonna happen. Um if in like another year I'm not getting closer, I may have to visit one of those uh, testosterone therapy clinics. Just get a little help there. <laughs> Chief Busky, hope you're not listening because that's cheating, but I don't care. Uh, <laughs> but no, he's, I mean, yeah, he benched 430. And so I was like, well, I mean, I, I can't bench plates right now. So this guy tells me not to use clips. I'm not going to use clips. Yeah, I think it's pretty, yeah. But there is a practical sense. There is a practical sense. And so that's, I mean, that's something you can go for now. I don't know. Do you have more on the, on the bench? Because I got an, I got something, a direction I want to take this. I want to see if you've got any thoughts on it. I don't have anything else on the bench. Um, I did remember I wanted to bring up, you mentioned your 500 attempt on squat. Yes. That's ironically how I got 500 the first time on deadlift. I was doing a, it was my first ever powerlifting meet. My buddy Thomas put it on in Lincoln. And I needed to bench, or I needed, excuse me, I needed to deadlift 495 to win the group. And with 495 on there, now at that point I had never pulled on a straight bar more than 475. And 475 went up pretty good, but I was like, eh, that's probably all I had. Well, I needed to pull the 495 to win. And at that point I was like, well, it's 495, might as well get that 500. If I pull 495 and I don't get 500, I'm going to be real mad at myself. Right, because that 5 pounds is 1% of the total weight you're lifting. Yeah. It's so ir- it's so irrelevant the only, in the sense of it's the, all mental the weight at that right. point. Yeah. And so I was like, you know what? If I'm pulling 495, I'm pulling 500. And I think the pa- fact that I put the put it on there to get 500 is the reason I got the lift. Because 495 versus 475 is not that big of a jump. Mm-mm. It's just like, oh, that's cool. You got a new PR. But getting that 500, I felt real good about myself. And I was able to grind it out. So that's not a fear for your life lift. But it just kind of reminded me of your like logic on how it worked. Because... We do dumb things like that. That's why we're meatheads. Yeah, I think that's I mean, that's exactly the culture we're talking about, right? Um, so the direction I want to go with this is, do you have any, and I know, like, we, you're not big into, like, the weird extra movements. Um, like, I mean, you don't do a lot of goofy things in the weight room. Like, you're pretty traditional in your lifts. But there are definitely things you see people do, and maybe you have attempted some in the past where it's like, that was dangerous. <laughs> What like, do you mean? Give me an example. Like, what was I thinking? Give me an example. Um, 
Because I'm not 100% you know, sure what you where mean. I'm going. Like, so, like, uh, if you do, like, a... Um, like, you take a, a straight bar, and you end up hand cleaning it, and pressing it, and putting it on your back, and then you kick the back leg up to start doing one-legged squats, and you're, like, doing that at, like, what was a reasonably heavy hand clean. <laughs> it's just kind of like, how did I survive this? Like... Should have natural selection taken over in this moment. Like, I don't think I deserve to achieve this. <laughs> so, I mean, what you're talking about sounds like you're doing, like, some complexes. Yeah, like, basically. some complexes are, like, you know what? I always think about this when people are, they feel so feel so special about putting the belts on and hanging the weight between their legs when they do pull-ups and stuff like that. And, and I'm like, dude, I want to use that area of my body. I feel like you you're just... I'm saying? Like, that's... I, I'm not I cool with that. I feel like you're just asking to take either a plate... Or some chains to the to the goods. Yeah, I mean, it just seems like seems unnecessary. Yeah, it seems unnecessary, and it just seems like you know what you should do. And I've done this. At a, it looks way cooler, and B, it's safer. Just get some of those chains and drape them around your neck, <laughs> like an anaconda. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Ball well, remember, well, I Grace, right? Remember they had the <laughs> chains. So I used to do dips with the chains around my neck. Yeah, yeah. And I'll be honest, I felt like I looked really cool, and the video supported that. That I took because I thought it looked really cool. <laughs> and also I've seen Dwayne The Rock Johnson do it at his gym. So I feel like that counts. And yeah, so I think that's the correct alternative. I am shocked it took like 20 some minutes into this podcast for you to mention Dwayne The Rock Johnson. <laughs> I am too. I was really trying to hold myself back. <laughs> I cannot believe it took that long. Um, but yeah, like I think, and maybe maybe you guys out there have got something. I, I would love to hear some of this back on the, the Facebook page or something. But I feel like you see stuff or you do stuff yourself where you're like, that wasn't super smart. Like, <laughs> that was maybe dangerous. It's like, you know, I've done that with, um, even with like some dumbbells, if you do like a at a weird incline or something and you, you know, you rock it up into a certain spot and then you start repping it out and you just go, go for broke and then you like throw it. You're like... That definitely could have been a labrum. You know what I'm saying? Oh, for like, sure. <laughs> you just do stuff that's, and you're like... That's part of the reason... What am I doing? You know I have... I died, You're right. I don't do weird stuff in the gym because A, I don't believe in CrossFit and B, I don't believe in hurting myself. Yeah. So that's a joke. CrossFit people, relax. Um, but no, I've done... It's kind of a joke. It's not that much of a joke. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Listen, if CrossFit has helped you become healthier and whatever, I'm all for you doing that. I just don't believe I also in it think at all. CrossFit is the definition of the segment. Like doing Olympic lifts for time is exactly not what you're supposed to do with them. Yeah, like doing them so for reps and super yeah. duper dangerous in and of itself. So I mean, go for it. It but certainly can be. Uh, but that's what we're going for here. <laughs> um, no, the the dumbbell thing. I and you you know this. I won't do heavy dumbbell bench work without somebody to hand me the second bell because of this i have had too many where i was popping the hundreds up into an incline or even a flat bench the flat bench is worth because you're falling you're falling a long way with those dumbbells in your hands and if you've got a couple hundreds one in each hand if you go sideways at all you feel like you're falling off that bench and i've done that too many times and that's why I don't. That's why I make you hand me the second dumbbell every yeah, time. Now. That, I'm not doing it anymore. That's what I'm saying. Like you, like I'm 32. Bit, I'm too old for this. I'm I'm not doing it anymore. That's like that's what I'm talking about. Like a little bit of fear. Like if you ever in the in like a leg press machine where you've got to lock it and like you almost don't get it shut all the way. It starts coming back on you. Yeah. Or like I've done this before, where like the handles that you hold onto are like really close to the one that shuts it. 
And so like when I go and I lock it out and then I shut it and I go to grab a handle, if you grab the wrong one and you push it back open, that's a problem. Like you almost <laughs> feel that just a little bit like, <gasps> I just, I almost just died here. Yeah. Like I was now ready for all of that weight to come back down. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Like, like I said, I just, I'm curious, like if you guys have anything out there where you're like, this was maybe not my brightest moment. <laughs> Well, and I, I, as soon as it was over, I was just looking around to see if anybody accidentally filmed oh, me. Oh, for sure. You know what I'm like, I just, like, I just don't end up on gym fail. Yes. I don't end up on that on that Instagram page. Like, cause like those guys are a joke. But there's like, you can really know what you're doing and still almost hurt yourself sure. in a dumb way. Oh, for sure. And also, <laughs> there's there's always a couple of them where like, so we'll do like top half bench or top half squat work to work on our lockouts or whatever, and. As ridiculous, and I'm sure they're not doing this, as ridiculous as some of those, like, quarter squat ones are or they're, like, the partial rep squats, I'm sure they're not doing it for a real reason the way we are because they're trying to throw on, like, a 1,000 pounds on there. <laughs> but yeah. there is just always, like, 1% of me that's like, what if they're just working on their lockout strength? <laughs> <laughs> I just have, like, a little minute of remorse. I'm like, no, this guy's an idiot. <laughs> yeah, see, that's, that's, that's just a fear. It's true. Somebody thinks Nobody, that of you, right? Like, right? Because like, you know this that, person doesn't know what they're doing. You know that guy that's doing the thousand pound inch range of motion squat thinks he's doing something good. You know, in his head, he thinks he's doing something smart and getting himself strong. So there, you have that moment of doubt where you're like, "Am I the idiot on gym fail and nobody's <laughs> filmed me yet?" <laughs> I especially feel that way whenever I do like a core exercise. <laughs> Because you end up just in weird spots. Like you yeah. just got to find, like... There's no there's no cool way to do a core no, There's no cool way, and you end up, like... like there's, like, so, a million and a half of them, right? You're so, sweaty, and you're flopping around on the ground, and you look like an idiot. Yeah, there's a million and a half of them. Nobody can be for sure that what you're doing is actually beneficial. Like, you saw somebody else who had, like, good abs do it, so you're like, I'm going to try it. You're like, this makes my stomach hurt, so I guess I'll keep be, doing it. has got to be something, right? So you're just trying to find that little area of the gym where somebody else isn't at that moment. It's true. It's just dangerous, it's true, man. Well, I think that's a good spot to wrap up for the day. If you have anything like that, you can hit us up on the Facebook page, heavy lifting with Robbie Lula. You can hit me up on Twitter at RA Lula, or you can always hit me up through the uh, website, RobbieLulaRadio.com. We appreciate you joining us for this meathead Monday and we'll talk to you again soon.